Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. It is the 2nd of December. It's the 2nd of December 2020. Winter is coming and is going to kick your ass in a few hours. Or if you get this podcast late, it's already kicked your ass, but I hope you had a good old time. Where the hell do we even start? Well, I know where we start. We've got to start with Pat Patterson. Literally about an hour before I sat down to record this podcast, the news broke that he had passed away. Uh, I haven't seen it sort of officially, officially confirmed, but it certainly sounds like it was because of cancer. Sounds like he'd been battling it for a few years, maybe even longer. I'm not going to pretend I know about Pat Patterson's personal life, but I mean, it's really tough to know what to say because I think when legends and heroes like that pass away, you go through two kinds of emotions. And I hope this doesn't sound as bad as I worry that sometimes it does. But the first is the shock, and you're like, oh my gosh, then you think about the friends and the family and the people closest to him and have to go through, you know, just the worst time, and I'm sure we've all experienced that. But it also kind of opens up a little bit of an internal struggle. We're like, man, all these people I used to look up to are passing away, like Animal, you know, Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, you know, he, he died a few months ago, and then, oh, just, it just gets you. Well, it gets me anyway. And do not underestimate the influence that Pat Patterson not only had on the entire wrestling business, but certainly WWF slash WWE. I mean, you know, he was the first ever Intercontinental Champion when he won a title in Puerto Rico. I think it was, was it Brazil. Was it Rio de Janeiro? I think it was Rio de Janeiro, actually. I've got that one wrong, which WWF just made up, by the way. They wanted a brand new championship because they were planning to break away from the NWA. And they knew that the, um, you know, they wouldn't have the NWA title they could use anymore, but they would have their world champion. But they wanted a secondary championship, especially because back then, what Vince McMahon would used to do is he would run two shows on the same night. So you'd have a show A and show B, and show A would be headlined by the world champion, and show B would be headlined by the intercontinental champion. Hence why they wanted to ensure that belt was kept as strong as possible, which I guess you could argue is why it got knocked around a little bit as that concept went away, because there was no need. Um, but yeah, they made up the story about Pat Patterson winning it in a tournament, but he was the first ever IC champion. Held it from a good old while as well. I think he then lost it to Pedro Morales, and then he held it for ages, and then I can't remember the, um, the, the history from there without looking it up. But his biggest contribution in terms of modern-day wrestling, aside from, you know, the amount of matches he agented and produced and the amount of finishes he came up with, you know, most inventive finishes from a huge period there in World Wrestling Federation were courtesy of Pat Patterson, but he came up with the Raw Rumble. His, he, he, not only did he come up with it, he said to Vince McMahon over and over, we should do a Raw Rumble. What's the concept? Told him, don't like it. Pitched it again, don't like it. I don't know how many times he pitched it back and forth, but this was not a, oh my gosh, Pat, you've done it. He had to convince Vince McMahon about the Raw Rumble. And here we are two decades or so later, and it's still the best event WWE does. You know, WrestleMania has the pomp and circumstance, but in terms of a stipulation, it is the greatest stipulation match ever. And of course, we're only a couple of months away, uh, maybe even like seven weeks away. And I think given his uh, his legacy on that um, uh, pay-per-view event, whatever, it, we, we should absolutely dedicate the 2021 Royal Rumble to Pat Patterson. I don't know how you do that, but it should all be dedicated to him. It really, really should, because without it, without him, we don't get it. And there'll be countless other things. I mean, that's even before going into his his wrestling career. He had uh, you know, an awesome, he was a great singles performer, probably an even better tag team performer. And then when you talk about his personal life too, he was an openly gay wrestler at a time when I bet that wasn't an easy thing to do. So he's this, this, this incredibly inspiration, inspirational character, and uh, it was one of those that really got me. It really, really got me. I was just like, 
that's life. I mean, there's nothing we can do. He was 79 years. A lot of people would say that was a good innings, but as the the world moves forwards, you know, you get more people dying sort of in their late 80s. But who knows, man? We can you can die whatever without wanting to lower the tone. My point was, it was just a proper one of those ones where I stared at for a good few minutes, and I was just like, man, Pat Patterson died. Pat Patterson doesn't die. Pat Patterson's the guy that sits around the pool with Vincent Mann and and uh, Bruce Pritchard and books the territory, books the shows. Man, does that not underline how far wrestling has come, maybe even good or bad, when that's how all those uh, all those Raws and Smackdowns used to come together. But, well, Raws more than Smackdowns. But, yeah, that's the only way we could start the show. Again, thoughts and feelings and positivity and everything to the friends and family of Pat Patterson. And, you know, he was ill. Hopefully he's, sound, he's found some peace. Although, again, I don't know what kind of what kind of state he was in. But, yeah, real, real tough one. That and, the, you know, Road Warrior Animal. And there's, there's other people as well that, you know, you kind of just try and move on from as quickly as quickly as possible. 2020 has not been a good 12 months. I will say that. But hey, we look for the uh, we look for the good and some of the good. Obviously, nowhere near as important is that we do have AEW's Winter is Coming event in a few hours. Without a doubt, like, it, I mean, it feels like the biggest dynamite ever because AEW wanted it to feel like the biggest dynamite ever. This could be a pay-per-view. Like, it absolutely could. That's the way they've designed it. They're obviously trying to get a rating, it, which is kind of interesting because the ratings came out only a couple of days ago, maybe even yesterday, because of the holiday weekend in America. And it, it, once again, it fell foul to the Thanksgiving Day, which, I, I mean, look, Thanksgiving is not a thing over here in the UK. I understand it's a big deal, but I don't know what the, the TV viewing habits of a a stereotypical US citizen are when Thanksgiving is there. They still won in all the demos. I don't want to get into all of that. You know my feelings on it. But NXT did beat them in total viewers. Um, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer has said that last year when this happened, the actual DVR showing for AEW was huge. So there's every chance people are going to catch up on it. Maybe overall it actually does a, a really good number in terms of the amount of eyeballs that are on it. But it does make this show far more interesting from a ratings point of view. Because make no mistake about it, this is being done to pop a big rating. You know, Tony Khan talked about it, said that's what he wanted to do, and he understands that wrestling is almost more of a TV business than a pay-per-view business. He was able to use the Winter is Coming thing thanks to his contacts with HBO, whatever the hell the relationship is. So they are doubling down, and they are going all in with this, hence why John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, probably the biggest match they've ever done. You want to argue that? That's cool. But for the world title, I mean, they're the two biggest characters and the two people with the most momentum in the company right now. You can even, I mean, it's a terrible term, but you could even say this is WrestleMania main event worthy. I mean, WWE says that on all of their shows. So I am fascinated to see what happens with this. I truly am. I don't know. I mean, in my head, there's three specific directions you can go in. I've thrown one of them out because Tony Khan also came out and said that, and who knows if this is true or not, but I like it's tying into the kayfabe of the match. It's going to have a 60-minute time limit, but no matter when it does begin, TNT has agreed to let Dynamite run long should they need to. Now, I doubt that's going to happen, but it gets around the fact that you don't have to start this match at the top of the second hour. Like, if you're starting at, I don't know what time it airs in America, but 8.15, and they go 60-minute time limit, and nobody has told you anything, you're like, well, no, it's not. We're just going to cut off the last 15 minutes of the match, like WCW Halloween Havoc 1998. So, yeah, with that in mind, the three ways, obviously, it goes is you get a draw, which... I don't mind because they've established that you can have draws in AEW. They've done it a couple of times, definitely once with Cody, maybe even twice with Cody. It's difficult because you need to make sure you tell a good story. You know, if you, it's like anything. If you tune into a boxing match or a football match and it's got a load of hype behind it, you want a winner. You want a winner and a loser. That's what makes it so, uh, so interesting. 
But you can do it as long as you sort of get all those little bit rights. And then obviously you can have John Moxie win or you can have Kenny Omega win. Now, the question is, if Kenny Omega wins, do you rematch it at Revolution? If you do the draw, do you rematch it at Revolution? And if John Moxley wins, can you get away with doing it again at Revolution? Now, AEW has never really done that. If you kind of go through everybody that has lost a reign, Chris Jericho, Cody, uh, there'll be somebody else I'm not really thinking about right now. FTR, there you go. They don't necessarily go straight after their belts again. They come up with a reason or, I mean, even when Cody was having his feud with MJF, he said he was going to get back to him and he was going to and now he's involved with Team Taz. So these little, I can't even think of the right word, fuses stay alive as and when they need to be reignited. So I guess you could have John Moxley win. I just don't think you can. I think the project, it's really difficult because John Moxley doesn't need to lose the AEW world title right now. It doesn't feel like it's time. It doesn't feel like he's ran out of steam. In fact, right now, he feels like the best character he ever has been across both brands. He really does. This is the best John Moxley ever. Weird noise. It sounded like a burp, but it wasn't that <laughs> I'm not even going to cut it out. That's funny because it sounds like I just burped on uh, on audio, but I had some kind of weird. I don't even know what that was. Leave it in. It's funny. Let's move on. Yeah, he, right now he feels like the guy that should be the champion. You know, the hottest dude in the company um, should be the champion. But if you need to establish this brand new or the return of the cleaner character, the return of Kenny Omega, New Japan, whatever you want to call it, then he can't lose. He absolutely can't lose because that pops the bubble straight away. That takes the character and the idea and the story and just goes, pop, we're done. Unless, of course, you come up with an incredibly creative finish. So I think you have to have Kenny Omega win, but I think you need to do it in a way that, yes, when we get to Revolution, we can go back on a trait that has become synonymous with AEW and we do round two. But then what do you do? You have John Moxley lose twice back to back? What does that do to him? So it's awesome. What I don't want it to happen, I don't think it's going to because, again, All Elite Wrestling has never... Well, you can look at it two ways. And what My point is they've never really mucked around with false finishes or DQs. But maybe they haven't done that. So when they do need to do it, e.g. right here, they will. And that can go either way. Some people will forgive them. That's not fair. Forgives too much. It's just a wrestling show. Some people will accept it because they're like, well, they barely ever do this. And other people may feel a little bit pissed off. But that's why I think it feels so exciting. It, there's just so much to it. It works on so many levels. You can talk about it for days. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a great build. It's, it's been a great build. And I'm massively, massively excited to see what's going to happen. Sometimes, in, I never do this for pay-per-views, but sometimes when I wake up to do ups and downs for TV shows, I won't be as... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I won't be as... Um, well, when it comes to spoilers, I won't be as vigilant as I would be otherwise. Right? Like... For a pay-per-view, I make sure I stay away from everything. With TV, I don't go looking for them. But if something pops up and I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter. This one, uh-uh. I'm going blank. I'm going blind. Everything's going to be turned off. Nothing's going to be turned on until I've watched it. Maybe even Hangman Page gets involved. I know he's going to be involved in the Battle Royal, but you never know. And speaking of that Battle Royal, we'll go through the rest of the card quick. You do have Hangman. You've got Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, Matt Seidel, Scorpio Sky, Sean Spears, Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian, Miro, Wardlow, and MJF. I mean, pick whoever you want. <laughs> I wouldn't give it to any of the tag team guys, so I'd take out Private Party, and I'd probably take out Reynolds and Silver too because they're in the Dark Order. Or if you're going to have someone from the Dark Order wins, it needs to be Hangman, right? Adam Page. I know he's not in the Dark Order, but the guy should help him. That should be another window into, hey, man, you know, you're a lost soul. Come aboard, which would be a terrible idea. I don't think Orange Cassidy needs it. I don't think Kip Sabian needs it. I don't think Miro needs it. Wardlow winning it would be interesting, but I don't think we're ready to do that feud with MJF yet, so I doubt it be perfectly fine with it you could have maxwell jacob friedman win it again because that just makes him a bigger dick um you could have sammy Guevara win it and then that creates the feud between those two we've got going on matt harley doesn't need it although it would be funny with his new persona where he said everything to do with me 
you know, wrestling has everything to do with me. That would back it up. Matt Seidel, you know, he's not really on a upward trajectory at the moment, so it wouldn't really work. Scorpio Sky would be fine. He always feels a bit like an under-the-radar guy that needs something. And kind of the same with Sean Spears. Miro is an outside shot. Tony Khan was talking about Miro in the uh, Winter is Coming press conference or whatever it was. And, you know, he said the reason why Miro hasn't come in and smashed the main event is because he needs to be rebuilt. Because he thinks WWE has treated Rusev back then as shit. His words, not mine. And his reasoning for that is that everybody always goes, yeah, but they brought him in a WrestleMania or a tank. And he was like, that's five years ago, Mother Hubbard. I'm like, he's not wrong. That is, <laughs> it's true. It was a long ass time ago. Um, and I'm the, I'm the biggest defender of, of Rusev slash Miro. I think he's great. I don't particularly enjoy what he's doing. That's, that's too much again. What he's doing in AEW right now is just fine, but it doesn't get me super duper excited. So yeah, if you wanted to rev him up, you could. But if I really had to put, you know, if I had to give a top three, mine would be MJF, Adam Page, and then as an outside shot, maybe Sammy Guevara. But it's, it's, it's a great lineup. You can go in so many different directions and maybe there's a surprise in there. Uh, Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes taking on Team Taz. For me, Team Taz should win. You know, Cody and Darby are the biggest stars, hence why you want to make sure that you're bringing up Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs. And also, I said this on my AEW um, Winter is Coming predictions video that you can check out on What Culture. If you turn powerhouse Hobbs heel and he loses, it's crap. It's like, that's what, you, that's what drove me enough about the, Nick, the Nakamura AJ Styles stuff. No problem with Nakamura going heel, but he never won the championship. So he just looked like a goof. If you change your, the entire way you see the world for success and for results, <laughs> you don't get it. It's like, well, what a loser you are. <laughs> You're an absolute piece of trash. So that's why I think they should win. And neither of them can lose. Like if Powerhouse Hobbs beats Darby Allen, you've got a TNT feud right there. You can have Ricky Starts beat Darby Allen because uh, Ricky, uh, Darby has beaten Ricky before. Somebody could pin Cody. Imagine Powerhouse Hobbs pin Cody. Massive deal. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Frankie Kazarian is just incredible. I think Frankie Kazarian is like 43, 44. Chris Jericho's just turned 50. And yeah, you can be critical of if you should if you should so wish, but I think you're crazy. So, and it all ties into everything they've got going on, nice and simple. Again, I think it's more getting Chris Jericho onto the show because he's a draw and he, people will tune in when he's on television, which is the aim of this. And also Dr. Britt Baker versus Layla Hirsch, very interesting. You've got to imagine that Thunder Rosa gets involved to continue on the stuff with Britt. Uh, Layla Hirsch getting a victory would be awesome. You know, she's got a lot of support in her corner. It's on paper. I think it looks really, really good, and I'm very, 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 very excited. And as we, um, you know, as we have brought them up, uh, NXT, I feel like have just accepted this one isn't their, you know, their big thing is War Games on Sunday. So it's like, you know what, we'll just we'll, we'll take a dive, not dive on it. We'll take a loss on this one, and you know, whatever happens, happens. I mean, we're gonna get the Shotzi Blackheart. Um, I think she's taking on Raquel Gonzalez to determine which team gets the War Games advantage. Usually the heels should do that. And I think we're also finding out the last member of Team Shotzi. I think, I think, I think. We don't know much else. But yeah, that does tie into um, NXT War Games. They, they must do that at the same time every year now, right? I, it just seems to happen so, so quickly. And the matches we've got for that at the moment are Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in a strap match. Another stipulation for those guys. Leon Ruff versus Gargano versus Priest for the North American Championship, which I'm all right with. I've seen a lot of criticism for Leon Ruff and his comedy angles. The guy just looks so happy. It's something new. It's something fresh. He was getting his head kicked off by Sheamus at the start of the year. I like it. It makes. I think it's a satisfying story. I don't care that he's a comedy figure. And then two War Games matches. Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee. Oh, can never say his name. Pat McAfee's team. And obviously Team Shotzi versus Team Candice. 
I mean, you could you could really could go any way with all of them. You've got the, the problem with the women's one is again, Tony Storm just turned heel, but you really don't want Rhea Ripley to lose again. I mean, the last time they were having the war games or whenever it was, you know, Rhea Ripley was on fire. So then Ember Moon's only just come back. And then again, the Undisputed Era versus the Pack group, as I'll call them. I really think the Pack McAfee's team should win because I think it does more for Pete Dunne, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan than it does for Riley Strong and Fish. I think those three winning kind of brings them up a level. Whereas if the Undisputed Era wins, just like, well, of course they did. They're the Undisputed Era. That's what happens. So it's look, it's a, it's a really, really good week of wrestling. <laughs> like it, it really is. I don't think we can get too, too mad about it. And I thought Raw was okay as well. Like it wasn't, Raw is really interesting at the moment because everything in the main event I enjoy. And the rumor was that it was going to be, what's his name? Braun Strowman. Thanks, Brain. The rumor was it was going to be Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman got injured, so we have to pivot and we end up with Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles. That's the match I've wanted for ages. AJ Styles is a great heel. Drew McIntyre is an awesome babyface. AJ has no problem playing up to all of this, so I was like, like, this ticks all the boxes. And I also thought the triple threat match between Riddle, Styles, and Keith Lee was awesome. Keith Lee I worry about because he's a little bit in no man's land, but whatever. We'll talk about Riddle in one second. So, you know, all of that stuff is awesome. But then when we kicked it off with the Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss, Fiend stuff, it's just such a disconnect because Randy Orton is awesome. He just is. Like, to me, bona fide Hall of Famer, as they say, so good at playing the dick. Even in when he's talking in riddles like he was here, I can completely believe his character. Alexa Bliss, I think this is the best she's been for ages. I think actually giving her a purpose and a storyline and this kind of, you know, childlike persona, whatever, I think really suits her because it's Harley Quinn-esque. And then, you know, Bray Wyatt, the fiend is the Joker. It's cool. We know this. We've talked about it time and time again. But you put all these elements together and we're playing it like Alexa Bliss is the equivalent of Bray Wyatt's Shaq back in the day. And it wasn't bad, but it was just a bit like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> again there was a disconnect that's the word it didn't i wasn't scared i wasn't afraid i didn't feel worried for alexa bliss apparently the idea is that the fiend and her are the faces and the randy orton is the is the bad guy didn't really pick up on that not that i necessarily need those defined roles but again you know tying back into the main event aj versus drew it does help and that's what i kind of mean about raw there's a lot like this like riddle taking on bobby lashley i'm fine with but the way we got there i was like man that was weird <laughs> <laughs> and the, the I mean Matt Riddle's new persona. I don't want to like it, right? I think it's stupid. He is basically a stoner on a program where you're not allowed to say that he's stoned. However, every time he does something, I find myself laughing to myself, right? So does that mean it's going to turn him into a main event player? No. Does it mean he's going to rise to the top of the card? No. But I try not to watch wrestling like that because that's not my job. My job is to sit there and at the end of two hours, three hours, whatever, go, right, did I have fun? Oh, yes, I did. Or no, I didn't. And all the dumb stuff he's coming out with. And when he was talking with Omos or whatever his name is, you know, AJ Styles' bodyguard, about the bunny and the... T I mean, stupid. It's immature and it's ridiculous. But it's like, I think it's probably because I know people that are very, very fond of, uh, of marijuana. And that's fine. I've got no problem with it. It's not my thing. But you know, that's what they're like. They just come out with absolute bullshit. You know, what are you on? So I really, I just don't mind it. Maybe I should, but I don't. Uh, the Symphony of Destruction match, I mean, the only thing we need to talk about is that we almost killed Jeff Hardy. When his head came smashing down into the back of that step, I was like, why the hell did you do the spot there? In case you don't watch Raw, so he did a swanton bomb from the top of the rope through a table, but it was in the corner of the ring where the steps are. So he hit Elias and then smashed his head. And unsurprisingly, apparently he was knocked senseless. I was like, of course he was knocked senseless. What world are you living in? 
And then, yeah, Retribution. I don't even know what you want to do with them. I love... Oh, they're so talented. And Mustafa Ali is so great, but they're just... They don't do anything. Their MO has completely fallen through the fallen through the floor. And I, I, see, what's more important to talk about is the Miz stuff at the end. I enjoyed the cash-in. I saw some people thought, oh, Miz looks so stupid. Yes, Miz is stupid because he's super-duper arrogant. Like, he wouldn't cash in because AJ Styles was telling him to cash in. I thought that was quite good. I did give it up on ups and downs. I do think the Miz TV segment was unnecessary. And I mostly liked it because I felt like it doubled down on the idea that, well, what I liked about, you know what, it probably should have got down in retrospect. It wasn't very well delivered. But it did get across this idea that maybe Sheamus is going to turn, which of course he will after December. He will be the opponent for Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble, I would presume. And I like that actually it's been stretched out. I don't know whether it's because of the Braun Strowman injury, but this has now allowed them to tag together. It's allowed them to show them getting on. Their friendship is now more defined than it was. And you probably need a good six to eight weeks, if not longer, to get that across. So that's fine. But it also remind you that the Miz has got the money in the back briefcase maybe he's going to cash it in later which he did obviously well he almost did until Drew McIntyre got up and kicked everyone but you know I thought that having AJ be the captain I suppose and the Miz just being such a dingus that he wouldn't play ball because he could have probably won the title that's something the Miz would do and I, I don't mind characters being silly every now and then I just don't women's tag stuff it's just, I'm never going to be able to get fully on board when the women's champion is also involved in the tag stuff because I just think it undermines all the belts. Like, I know that WWE does that sometimes with the WWE champion. I remember when Shawn Michaels and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin were um, uh, tag champs before WrestleMania 14, and there's been loads of other examples of that. But they do it, this is like the second time they've done it because they were doing it with Bailey and Sasha Banks too. I don't know why we couldn't have come up with a singles feud for Oscar and then got somebody else for Lana to do this. I mean, I don't really particularly like that story either, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I watch it. I'm like, I don't know who this is helping. Like, who is this helping? Lana feels like a fluke artist because she is. Oscar's still great, but she's in the tag team division, which, again, has reduced the role of the women's championship. And Shayna, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax don't really do anything. They hate each other and they don't hate each other. And then sometimes they defend their belts and they don't. Yeah, And I, I think it's the, the law of diminishing returns, which I know I always go on about, but it's the same with the New Day and the Hurt Business. Two amazing teams, but there was no reason for them to go at it again. And when they're teasing that Cedric Alexander may be about to be kicked out of, um, of the Hurt Business, I know like, it's not time. It's working. I'm not even going to talk about the Dana Brooke uh, wrecking my Yim stuff. What, it, what, I mean, pff, what, what do we even have to say uh, Dana Brooke slaps Ali, gets a match, beats Mia Yim, reckoning in her first match under the retribution rules. <sighs> it just makes me laugh. It really does. So yeah, Raw is kind of okay. It has good bits and bad bits, which helps me. SmackDown, I think, is a really decent show. You know, because there's four pivotal people of that now. Roman Reigns is just great. Jey Uso is just great. Actually, five, because Sami Zayn gets in there, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan. The way all these guys are linking together to hopefully, you know give birth to a bunch of feuds over the next two three months then building into whatever the hell we want to do at wrestlemania hell yeah man i mean that's something that wwe has been missing for a while and what a lot of people credit aew for you know the way that you can go in about 72 different directions should you so wish i think on smackdown now you can do that i mean if you think of everything they've done Sami Zayn could feud with biggie too i missed out biggie see this is, this is the point there's so many people and i haven't even mentioned otis but Sami Zayn could go with otis Sami Zayn could go with biggie Sami Zayn could go with daniel bryan but jay uso could also go with a couple of those guys then you move kevin owens into the main event picture against roman reigns you know within one show kevin owens feels like a badass and it's because we've established these 
specific ideas, especially when it comes to Roman Reigns, a head of the table, tribal chief, that even if Kevin Owens, as he did, pretends to sit at the head of the table, you're like, that's awesome. That's great. You know, it's a small things like that. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan of SmackDown. Uh, the Carmella Sasha Banks feud kind of feels like an afterthought, which is a shame. But you know, you've got Carmella saying all of this stuff about her new character, and it's not tying in. Like, you know, when she was running around with R-Truth, not only was she very, very successful, but the fans loved it. It's a bit like when they tried to get Becky Lynch to go bad by saying, oh, you fans never supported me. And it's like, literally supported you all the time. <laughs> I can think of no other superstar that has had the support that you have had. That's not her fault. She was told to do it. But yeah, I, I think the less of that, the uh, the, the better. And talking about the tag team scene, right? And the women's division over on SmackDown, it's the same kind of a thing. We're just rerunning the tag team belts with the Street Profits and Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode and the women's championship. Um, It's not the women's championship, but all the other stuff below that is is just sort of, it just feels like it's being made up last minute. The irony being, it's all being made up last minute. But the, the top programs, I suppose because they are so enriched, it gives you more... You can go to the well with more things. So if something gets changed at the last minute, well, you've got more options, whereas the other stuff you don't, and it's like, ah, shib. Now what are we going to do? But I do think WWE overall is better. I was thinking this the other day. There was a terrible time when WWE really felt like it's lost its way. The wild card era, we'll call it, right? With the wild card era, it really felt like it's lost its way. And I'm not saying it's perfect now, but I do think it's very watchable, and I do think it's a lot better. So... Yes, I uh, look, I think it's going to be good leading up to TLC. I don't like stipulation pay-per-views other than Money in the Bank because that makes sense, like the Royal Rumble. Because uh, I just think it's, you know, somebody will just now get obsessed with tables and somebody else will get obsessed with ladders and somebody else will get obsessed with chairs or whatever. And it always feels a little bit convoluted. I mean, what I would shuffle around is I would... I would keep the Royal Rumble, obviously, and I would keep money in the bank. But I would, um, yeah, I would get rid of the, I would get rid of the rest. I get rid of Hell in a Cell. I would get rid of uh, TLC. There's probably another one I'm forgetting about. I'm sure we'll have WWE Steel Cage <laughs> at some point. I just think it's better when you have those matches for a reason, and the, especially when it comes to Hell in a Cell. I don't want to get off too much of a tangent, but when it comes to Hell in a Cell, especially, it's a real shame because that used to feel like such a big deal. But now when we're having three Hell in a Cell on the same show like we did this year, of course it's going to feel like it's not as it's not as exciting or it's not as fun. It's, you know, it's, just, it's just how it works. It's like when you have success with something new and the novelty is there, then you have to kind of rethink the thing that you've built to try and get that success again because people get used to it and they're looking for that new exciting thing. But still, we are heading into the end of the year. We'll come out in January. That's when WWE goes big time. And then we'll see what happens between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. People are still desperate for Roman Reigns versus The Rock. I just can't see it. Not that, especially if there's no fans. Apparently, WWE has a deadline. So I think it's like the 7th of January or something to decide what they're going to do about fans at the Royal Rumble. To me, I mean, this isn't true at all. It's, it's important all the way around. But not having fans at the Royal Rumble seems far more terrifying than not having fans at WrestleMania. Probably because we've already had a WrestleMania, right? We've already had a WrestleMania, so we kind of know what to expect. And whatever they did next year would be better than last year when it was basically held in a funeral home. <laughs> Honestly, go back and watch it now. Almost impossible. The Thunderdome is absolutely awesome when you compare it to that, and it's pretty damn good anyway. But the Royal Rumble, when you don't know who's going to come out, and you're waiting for those reactive pops. <laughs> I don't know. We, we will see. Uh, before we do answer your questions, um, the WCW is not coming back. 
I love this. Some guy just woke up. I think his name was Alex Fox. And look, maybe I'm wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong, but I do not understand how they've managed to wangle WWE to allow them to use a license that they own to create a rival competitor. That seems crazy to me. That's like somebody knocking on my door and saying, Simon, can I just be you for a while? I'm like, yeah, fuck it, be me. It's just not going to happen. Um, the company that they were working with that was called Stream something or Skystorm Productions came out and said, never heard of this. Don't know what they're talking about. The announcement Twitter thing was riddled in spelling errors, which I do not think would have happened otherwise. Um, and apparently they're coming back on October 20th next year. October 20th? Like, it's just it's up to gibberish. And the worst thing was, the people that apparently were going to get were the likes of Mark Jindrak, Buff Bagwell, uh, oh, I can't even, Scott Norton, it wasn't Scott Norton. But, you know, proper WCW guys, that's not what you want to do. You want to take one WCW guy. And who the hell that would be, I don't even know. But you do not want to riddle it with WCW guys because people will watch it once and go, oh, yeah, WCW was terrible at the end. Let's never watch it again. So I, I, you do not need to bring back World Championship Wrestling in 2020, especially not in 2020 because it wouldn't work. Like, it absolutely wouldn't work. But... I just think sometimes nostalgia is great, right? But WWE has gone to the world with that so many times. There's nothing that anybody else can do that I think is going to spark it, especially because AEW's got you covered anyway. So no, I'm poo-pooing that right now. Look, if I can have egg on my face at the end of it, hell yeah, WCW comes back. Something to talk about. Uh, given talking about rumors as well, John Moxley is not going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, Tony Khan said that. You can, I suppose you could say, well, of course he'd say that. And yes, maybe he would say that. But I think at this point, there's no need just don't mention it it's just don't refer to it just say you don't want to talk about it i don't see why you would why you would do that so i doubt that um i doubt that he's going and i don't think you know unless you're happy to go over there for a while i just don't think you're going to see those kind of wrestlers in japan for a bit because of the pandemic like it's in the way like it really truly is it's just in the way and it and it sucks and i can't wait till it calms down and it's lifted and we can all just get back to normality and i bet you guys are the same too uh, on that same call as well, Tony Korn, Tony Korn, <laughs> completely different person. Tony Khan said that he may split AEW Dark into two shows, and one of them would be to showcase new talent, and the other would be for the more established guys. I think that's a great idea. Like A lot of people like Dark. I don't know what its average, I can look now, you know. What is your average YouTube uh, rank? Because I know at one point it would do crazy. It did crazy, crazy um, uh, numbers. And now it is, I'm trying to find it, it's going to be impossible. So it did 191,000 last night. And of course, it will build and build throughout the week. The week before, am I going to be able to find this? Yes, it did, it did 400,000 views. That's pretty damn decent. Like there's wrestling shows that don't do 400,000 views. And the one before did 350,000 views. I'm going to get one more for my own brain, 350,000 views. So that's pretty damn good. And obviously, if you broke it up into two shows, the one that had the less known people on it is going to do less. But... You know, you do need to train up these people. They do have a lot of people that they want to feature and see like, who's going to work and who's not going to work. So I think that's quite exciting. I think that's really, really quite exciting. Whether or not they do it, I don't know, but I think it would be cool. And outside of that, I think that's all the all the wrestling news. I think I just think wrestling's been great recently. I thought AEW last week was awesome. Um, somebody asked me if it was the first time a show has got all ups. No, uh, a couple of NXTs have got it, and there's been some. WWE doesn't usually get it just because they're so segment heavy <laughs> that they run themselves into a corner. But you know, please do remember that something getting all ups doesn't mean it was perfect. It just means that there was nothing terrible on there that I thought was worthy of a down, like the Miro. Kip Sabian and best friend stuff. I didn't think it was executed to the best of its ability, but it wasn't crap. So it was like it was kind of like in the middle. And I'm never, ever, ever 
going to poop on something for the sake of it. That is not what I do. That's like the people that decide they're going to watch a program and then do a review show and just, yeah, say it's rubbish every week. Well, why did you even bother? Just don't watch it. And there are those people out there, and I find them very, very exhausting. Um, and that's why sometimes you can have a show that has all ups and a few downs, but it's still crap. Because the downs, you know, it, it's about the <laughs> it's about the weight of the down. It's about the importance of the down. It's the same the other it's the same the other way around. But when I was done, I was just like, that was really good. <laughs> that was a really, that was a really, really good show. And I know I talk about um what do you call it? AEW more than NXT, but that's because I don't get to watch NXT until the weekends. And even then sometimes I have to fly through it. Just because again, I'm very blessed and very lucky that um I get to, you know, do AEW for a job. And I don't do NXT. Simple as that. In case you're interested about WWE backstage news as well, the opening segment with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt was completely a Vince McMahon idea. Apparently there were some people that said they didn't think it was that good, but Vince decided he wanted it. Bruce Pritchard is officially the number two guy. I think we knew that anyway. But yeah, it's kind of him and Vince running the show. I mean, I don't know why that came out as news. I was like, well, didn't we know that anyway? But I guess now we know for sure. And I think the reason Drew is now coming out with the sword every single time is because Vince McMahon loves it. I agree with the criticism that with entrances like that, it's better to save them for the big shows. But I guess Vince thinks it looks good on television <laughs> so that's it it has to happen and if you're wondering about raw underground and the likes of dabakato and arturo ruas i mean it's just dead it's just dead they've now decided that dabakato and arturo ruas aren't ready for television so they should absolutely be put on nxt but they probably won't <laughs> i just don't know what the hell where did raw underground go i was enjoying it i was the only person and it still got taken away from me i did my best to put raw underground over as much as i could but no like everything else in WWE got three weeks and then vanished. Like, where's where's Lars Sullivan? He was doing he was doing backstage interviews about I'm bullied, I'm gonna eat some bugs. And then he just didn't come back to work. WWE is great, isn't it? It's so much fun. Uh, right, let's answer some questions. Uh, also, shout out to pinsandknuckles.com for sponsoring and supporting the show. Thank you so much. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Simon316. If you want to support the podcast, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. There's some rewards on there too. I can send you a cameo video. Say whatever you want. Birthday, bar mitzvah, Christmas. Just yell at you if you want. It's completely up to you. And there's a t-shirt tier and there's a postcard tier and any, like I say, you know, I've got to find a way to uh, make my personal stuff such as this financial viable, and that's how I do it. Otherwise, please do check out my YouTube channel as well. Search for Simon Miller, and if you want to tease, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. On the subject of merchandise, I mean, my word, did you blow me away. Thank you so much to everybody that bought a t-shirt. You, honestly, a few things kind of went away this year, and I don't want to get into the last couple of months, and Patreon took a bit of a hit, which I totally understand. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. The merchandise sales, just thank you. All I can say is thank you. I sat down for a little bit after that and I was like, you lovely people. <laughs> I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're lovely people just for listening, but everyone is just lovely. Uh, right, questions, which usually I ask for on uh, my Twitter. So definitely make sure you follow me on there. Also, I'd like to get to 100,000, I've decided. That's how shallow I am. So if you haven't followed me, give me a follow. Start off with my man James Unsworth, who I used to train wrestling with and hope to see again soon, who says, how many haystacks could giant haystacks stack if giant haystacks could stack hay? That's really hard to say. And the answer is obviously 72. If you know, you know. Inspector Man says, say if the two brands didn't have a barrier between them, not that they follow the rules anyway, who would be your dream feud writers of now? Well, I guess Roman versus Drew. But we won't say that because it's boring. So who would I like to see go at it? I mean, Daniel Bryan would probably be in there because I'm just that guy. Here's the issue. I always forget who the hell's on the other show. 
Daniel Bryan versus... Uh, they've, done every, they've done it all, haven't they? I wouldn't mind seeing Daniel Bryan versus Riddle. Have we seen that, though? I kind of feel like we've seen... You know what? Daniel Bryan versus Keith Lee. There it is. The two guys I love the most are definitely up there. And Daniel Bryan is such a smart guy with coming up how to work those matches. I think it would rule. Uh, Solid5 asks about the uh, WCW revamp. Do you think it's legit? No, I do not. I think it's absolute gibberish. I'm willing willing to be proven wrong. Irish Wrestling Entertainment says, would you rather take a chop from Big Show or a Samoan drop through the announce table from Nia Jax? I mean, the Samoan drop every time. As a man that is a professional wrestler, although obviously in... Well, not semi-retirement, but semi-stop status right now because I'm not allowed to wrestle because of the pandemic. You can take a chop from Swoggle and it flipping hurts. <laughs> it absolutely kills. And while I'm sure a Samoan drop from Nia Jax to the announce table is no picnic, chops are just the worst, man. Even The Undertaker said he hates chops. Shums it up. Uh, Umer says, why is every wrestler throwing more forearms than anything else? I'll tell you why, because it's really hard to throw a worked punch. Try and throw a work punch today. It is oh, so difficult. Whereas a forearm, you can just smash someone in the neck and it's far better. My man, David Francesco, who you should absolutely go and check out. Francisco, I should say. Everyone go follow him. At DFrancisco underscore one is a good dude. If you could be a wrestling weapon, which one would you be? <laughs> That's great. Of course I'd be a kendo stick. Because you'd always be featured on all wrestling shows. I love the question keeps coming up now, especially on places like Squared Circle, where it's like, why is there kendo sticks under the ring? And they, they always go on to say, I can justify chairs, ladders, and fire extinguishers. You're like, can you? Well, they just decided to chuck them under the ring because they're grubby and lazy. None of it makes sense, but the kendo stick absolutely makes less sense. Because unless they're going to do some kind of martial art with it, I do not know why somebody would put it under there. And of course, the kayfabe reason is just that they put it there before the match because they're wily, smart wrestlers. Josh, who can realistically take the title from Roman, Big E, Keith Lee? Doesn't seem anyone is big enough to take it. That's the point, Josh. This is why it's always important to build up your champion so that when someone does beat them you're like well holy flipping Nora and they'll become a bigger deal especially Big E if you have Big E do the Sami Zayn stuff wins the IC title then goes on to that and wins you're like wow Big E's amazing it's essentially what he did with Stone Cold Steve Austin he just gave up the Intercontinental title and gave it to The Rock but that's why it's always important to build your champions and make them feel like a last boss and then when someone takes the last boss down they basically suck up all their power I love it. Alan says, do you think Vince McMahon needs to give Triple H a shot to run the main roster shows and just stay home? No. I mean, he probably needs to open his... Well, he probably needs to be less stubborn. But again, it's his company. His show is allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. But I think he would benefit from taking in ideas from other people more than he does, because I don't think he does really. But I think it makes much more sense to keep Triple H on NXT and allow him to build experience up that way. I, I don't see why you would take him off. I mean, some people, not me, this is playing devil's advocate, I don't agree with it, but some people say, well, look what you know, NXT's doing on USA Network, it proves that Triple H doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, I think that's absolutely baloney, but it's certainly a conversation to be had. Coffin Game says, I'm training in wrestling right now. What would you say was the hardest fundamental for you to get down during your time? Well, the cardio is always hard. Getting your wrestling cardio, that's why I'm terrified about going back. The only way to get cardio in a wrestling ring is to wrestle. And it's been, what, nine months now? Flipping Nora. Nora's back. Otherwise, I think chain wrestling or mat wrestling or grappling, whatever you want to call it, is difficult because there's a certain intrinsic... I can't say that word. Well, there's a certain... There's a technical nature to it. Like most people would be able to talk how to do a body slam. But when you're trying to, you know, flow from lockups to hammer locks to wrist locks and whatever else, 
you, there's a certain skill to it. It's really, really difficult. So that's something I need to focus on more and something I really, really want to do when I can get back to it. I've been thinking about this a lot. So yeah, I've absolutely got to... Uh, Absolutely got to uh, to get better at that. But good for you, man. Let me know how you get on. Liam says, what do you think about the camera angle AEW used during the no fan era? And should they reuse it when they return to Daly's place in the future? No, I don't think so. I think the good idea about switching the camera angles back, which is what WWE did, is that when you do go back and watch it, you instantly know it was a no fan show because they switched the camera angle. So I think as soon as we go back to normal, we go back to normal. If it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Josh says, maybe a dumb question. No such thing. With SmackDown being a consistently good show and Raw being hit or miss, what causes that shift in quality? Both seem to be written right before the start of the show. Weirdly, one brand is struggling, but the other is on fire. I really do think it's three hours. If SmackDown had an extra 60 minutes to write, they probably would stretch things out. They'd probably try and fit things in and it would fall apart. Two hours is the optimum time for a wrestling show. I think we have figured that out. So that's why I think Raw suffers. I think if you cut Raw down to two hours, it would feel a lot better and it would go faster and you'd probably enjoy it. Um, Shush, is that? I can't read that. It's like in crazy font. We'll call you Shush. (laughs) How would you book Nakamura as WWE champion had he won the title from AJ at WrestleMania 34? Well, you just have him have a good run and set him up with loads of feuds. And, you know, that would have been fine. I, again, I don't mind the fact he didn't win the title. What I was annoyed me is that he, he went heel and didn't win the title. We've already talked about it. We don't need to talk about it again. Matt says, is tonight's Dynamite the biggest much-watched show of the year? Certainly on TV, but maybe pay-per-views as well. I wouldn't go that far because things like the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and a few of the AEW pay-per-views have really made themselves stand out. But I think one of the reasons Winter is Coming has so much momentum and so much buzz is because it's on free TV. That's the crazy thing, right? That's the nuts thing. So they've absolutely done a good job with it. And it does feel pay-per-view level. And that alone is all we need. I don't think we need to start comparing it to anything else. The fact that it's made it to pay-per-view level means we've absolutely smashed it. Hanif says, Hey, Simon, how would you feel about Sheamus getting his old theme back and winning the Royal Rumble to face Drew McIntyre and Mania? I don't know if I want that because I think there's bigger matches we can do. No disrespect to Sheamus. I do think he's vastly underrated, but unless we're going to do so, I just don't think it's going to feel like a WrestleMania match. I think you could probably do it at the Royal Rumble. I'm never going to moan about him getting his old theme back. Good old lobster head, whatever else. They, it's a shameful thing. <laughs> so good. Um, I think he said that he does want that to happen. I know Jeff Hardy plans to get his old theme back soon, which I actually, I prefer the one he's got now, but I'm in the minority with that. Matthew says, which Hardy brother is going to bang their head a little too hard first? I mean, absolutely, Jeff. I know Matt's have some bad falls, but if you want to go through the past 15 years, Jeff Hardy is well ahead on that bump card. Jeff Hardy is in his 40s and a maniac. It is unreal. John says, you always have the question on who is the Sean and who is the Marty of the team. Though what are some teams that are more Hardy or E and C than the Rockers, where each team member will or has gotten over as a single star? Well, I don't like the fact when people say that because it's nuts. Marty Jannetty didn't suck because the tag team got broken up. Marty Jannetty suffered from real serious personal issues, which he's still going through today. And that derailed his wrestling career. Otherwise, he would have had a fine wrestling career. I'm not yelling at you here, John. I'm just yelling into the ether. But that's why that phrase annoys me. My Janae did not suck. (laughs) He didn't. And he would have done far better. But again, unfortunately, he had things he couldn't deal with, as a lot of people in the wrestling industry do. Demons. Everybody's got demons. And Marty Jannetty certainly had his share of his. Uh, Code says, Simon, if you could envision any other wrestler besides Luchasaurus becoming a dinosaur, who would you put in the role? 
Well, I don't know whether it counts as a wrestler, but he used to be, and I'm going to go with The Rock. Just go and watch his mannerisms and movements. He comes across like a velociraptor. Carl says, do you think AEW and New Japan will strike up a working relationship? Um, I mean, look, they could do, they could not do, certainly not during a pandemic era. I think the relationship is now better. Whether or not they want to start putting people on their televisions, I don't know. I'm fine with it either way. Like for the last 20 years, I've grown up in a world where people close the borders in that sense. If they want to open them as a fan, I get excited. If not, I'm like, that's just wrestling. Ethan, would you prefer Matt Hardy stayed in his broken character or do you like that he changes them about? Well, I think Matt Hardy got screwed. He needed fans to make that broken character work in AEW and he didn't get it. So he kind of finished it off with the cinematic match we did a couple of weeks ago and now he's doing this brand new one. Ultimately, I always find him very entertaining. And as we talked about earlier, as long as that's happening, I think it's all right. Harine says, hey, Simon, love your positivity. And I also love absolutely everything about Kenny Omega. Can you genuinely answer why he gets so much hate? It's honestly baffling. Well, I don't actually think he does. And what I mean by that is that I think it's the vocal minority. Now, it will always sound like loads and one person being this way is way too much. And I'm sure if Kenny, I'm sure you know, Kenny Omega feels it and he thinks what the flip is going on. Well, he needs to care. I don't know if he cares or not. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I don't think it's as big or as, as bad as sometimes it seems from afar because it is just the maniacs that are shouting. Think about all the other people that do think he's great that don't feel the need to say anything because they're not crazy. Otherwise, he probably just gets hate because he's successful and jealousy is a terrible, terrible thing. He is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He, in many ways, does personify this modern era of wrestling. So... That's why people don't like him. It's really stupid. Eliza says, are you working the independent circuit at all or waiting until COVID is in hand to work on the big shows again? There is no indie circuit here in the UK. It all got shut down, hence why nobody is doing it. Um, as soon as I'm allowed, I absolutely will. I had some shows in America book that went away, which absolutely killed me. Um, but yeah, as soon as someone tells me I can wrestle and I think it's safe because that's more important, uh, that's, the, you know, that, that's the main thing. Uh, Bigger Than Sports says, fantasy book your men's, women's, Royal Rumble winners and WrestleMania champ storyline. I mean, it's too, it's too early to call. I mean, I would like Big E to win the Royal Rumble and I would also like Bianca Belair to win the Rumble. Other than, outside of that, you can do whatever the hell you want. Russ says, what are your favorite wrestling conspiracy theories? Uh, probably that the Montreal screw job was a work. <laughs> so Bret Hart decided he'd, he'd ruin his emotional soul for 20 years. For a crappy work. Yeah, right. Come on now. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh says, who do you think should be the first AEW trios champions? Only one answer to that, and it's called Death Triangle. Santana says, who is the spice? No, I'm not reading. That's ridiculous. Beer Holder Hobbies and Barbecue says, is it fair to say that Ric Flair is to wrestling what Dune is to sci-fi? I mean, I know about Dune. I, I can't answer that. I don't know enough about Dune. I know what Dune is, but I'm not a savant, so I would never... I would never dare risk it. Uh, Best Closer Alive says, will Kenta show up tonight costing Mox's belt? I'm probably going to regret this. I'm going to say not in a million years. That's my opinion. Captain Strider leading his ship to glory. If Orange Cassidy was in WWE, do you think his gimmick could have worked? Or what do you think would have happened? Well, again, it's all about presentation. It wouldn't have worked in AEW if they hadn't given him a more serious side as and when they needed. Santino Morella worked and he used to put a snake on his arm and run around he's one of my favorite characters ever miles hood what's the best wrestling school in the uk also is what culture hiring for presenters well they have a career page so absolutely check that out to have a look it's not something i'd look at because that would be strange um what's the best i'm not going to comment on what's the best wrestling school in the uk uh because i'll i train at lots of them and i don't want to offend anybody so i'm not going to so real why isn't the spine buster still a finisher it's literally the perfect move well because we turned it into non a finisher you could have it as a finisher like if powerhouse hobbs starts doing his spine buster all the time 
and we are told in storyline that this is his finisher, it becomes a finisher, much like Lashley and the Hurt Lock. You know, that's just a full Nelson, but now we believe it is a finish. You just have to dedicate time to these things. And the Spine Buster has been a transitional move for so long, that's how we see it. Mike says, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley tonight. Who do you got and why? We've already talked about that. Blazing Hater, or Blazing Hater, obviously. Hey, Simon, just curious if you've ever been contacted by any major promotions or even big wrestling schools. Well, this is one of those situations where if I had, I probably couldn't talk about it. But the truth is that I haven't. But now you won't believe me because what I've just said. But we'll move on. Greg, who would be your last four remaining in tonight's AEW Diamond Ring Battle Royal? Hang on, I've got to get it back open again now you've said that. Yeah, AEW winter is coming. My final four would be MJF, because I think it's important as he owns it. I think Wardlow, for obvious reasons. I think Miro should probably in there, and I'd put Hangman Adam Page. And I'd have the Dark Order on the outside. That was easier than I thought. Thanks, Brain. Uh, my man John says, People ask about the best manager, and the answer has to do with the chosen effect the manager is supposed to have. They can be surrogate mouthpieces for wrestlers, weak on the mic, heat magnets, or just distractions. What do you think is the best modern use of a manager? Voice piece absolutely voice piece mouthpiece it should, i think a manager should always be used to cover a wrestler's weaknesses and the and something that some struggle with is the fact that they're not very good at promos so if you're not going to give them the chance to sink or swim and get better give them somebody that can talk and the package is done right paul Heyman and brock lesnar is a perfect example although as brock lesnar showed in ufc if you let him say whatever the hell you want man can cut a promo um scoresome says any chance of another health fitness discussion podcast again yeah probably at some point if people want it that's one <laughs> so i'll mark it down uh coyote bong water would you rather fight a hundred belt size big shows or one big show size belt i don't know it's <laughs> my answer just symbol we've got prince here symbol how much of new japan do you watch uh i stay in touch with it and i watch as much as i can but again i watch a lot of wrestling in the in the week i'm very lucky to do that but i watch a lot of wrestling in the week um so i always watch the big shows i always watch the big matches if somebody rants and raves about something i'll make sure i see it um but yeah squeezing extra wrestling into my schedule is really really hard and i do need to see friends and family every now and then uh gavin says will wwe add a patterson reward for the winners of the rumble and do you think that's a good idea i just think we should dedicate the Royal rumble to him it should be called the pat patterson Royal rumble because it flipping is already red top wrestling who is the better aew big man brody cage or archer i don't want to choose between them they're all really good i refuse to do it uh bobby says what's the name of the podcast excellent he's never going to hear this gamer shane said would you ever wrestle a black bear no uh, George McCann says, hey, Simon, the rumor is The Rock versus WrestleMania next year. Do you think they should wait until crowds come back? I mean, they are going. The Rock ain't coming back in front of no crowds. That doesn't serve him at all. So, yes, 100%. Uh, Nick Harris, should AEW have a Royal Rumble style event as part of their calendar? They do. It's called the Diamond Battle Royal, and it's literally happening in a few hours. Uh, Colossal Rosie, what do you think is the best pay-per-view in 2020 across every promotion? I'd have to go through them all. I can't think of the top of my head, but there has been some good ones, uh, which I think has been incredible given that we've had no fans. Uh, Mike says, being a new listener for about a month or so, enjoy the positive vibes. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining. My question, although I rarely watch NXT and focus mainly on AEW, I never see the reason for the hate. It's wrestling, man. We need a variety. What can we do to change that way of thinking? You absolutely can't, man. 
there's just no way, which is why it's best just to let them yell and jump around and be mad and, and do all these stupid, stupid things that they do. I don't understand it. I don't think there's a need. Even if you don't like NXT, but you really like AEW, you can just ignore the other one. Uh, I think what happens is, is that people really invest themselves into these companies, which in many ways is great, right? To have that kind of a passion is awesome. But when it turns into a negative vibe, what's the even, what's what you're doing with your life? I think it's an absolute waste of time. So I think it's just people picking sides for something to do, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Cat uh, Burkers, what is your dream WrestleMania main event? Well, obviously, it's Billy Kay versus Peyton Royce. Aiden, what are your top favorite matches ever? Top five. I mean, this changes all the time, but top of my head, I would go Austin versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. Cena versus Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. Uh, Omega versus Okada from Dominion. Probably Hulk Hogan versus The Rock because that electricity is just unreal. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's just so incredible. And the first Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. But there's so many already I can think about. So, you know. Uh, Josh, in your opinion, why don't we see any major breakout stars anymore? And I mean like the Rock Cena, Orton, Lesnar levels. People who debut at 23 and 22, other way around, and build a character and rapport with the fans. Because um, Vince McMahon decided he wanted to make WWE the, the selling point and not the names of the wrestlers so that he couldn't be Batista or The Rock or Brock Lesnar and these people be built up and then go and make their trade elsewhere. That's the decision by all accounts that he decided to do and as soon as you do that and you kind of put the leash on your wrestlers, you're not going to get breakout stars because you don't let them break out. Uh, Sunil says, talk about Arsenal. And if they stand a chance on Sunday, well, if I start a football podcast, I will. Uh, Jeff says, what are your thoughts on fiber intake? Not sure this is the place, Jeff, but I appreciate it. Uh, Isaiah says, oh, we've kind of done that, so we'll move on. Uh, Greg says, who should Daniel Bryan's last opponent be in his final run? Um, it all depends on the story. Like, if you had said to me, who should Kurt Angle's opponent be? I wouldn't have said Baron Corbin, but they did it. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't ideal either. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, B. Catalin Maria says, why don't you apply for NXT? <laughs> Let's be honest. I think WWE Rose right now, who Simon Miller is from YouTube, I don't think they do. Imagine you debuting there and the crowd going crazy, chanting up, up. Well, that's very kind that you have such faith in me. I don't think they know who I am. Um, and if they do, they probably hate me because I'm just some bald idiot that casts criticism on their product. I don't think you can apply for NXT either. I think they have to come to you. Um, but you uh, you never know. Sean says, what did you think of Adam Wilbon's moustache? I thought it was wonderful. It's a shame that he had to get rid of it. Um, Christine says, how excited will you be when Kenny wins? Could it get the golden up? Well, it certainly could. To be honest, though, this is why it's so good. I don't mind who wins. Either is absolutely fine with me. Stringer says, what's next for Zelina Vega? I don't know, but I do know she got some kind of phone call she was very excited about. So I'm going to guess that she's going to turn up in a company. Whether it's Impact, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's AEW, she'll do great. New Japan, she's really, really, really talented. My major thing is what happens with Alistair Black because she's out the system so she can kind of choose, uh, choose her path. Whereas he's still in it and they don't seem to be very high on him, which is very, very strange. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, will CM Punk come to AEW, says Pravenor. I mean, he doesn't need to. I mean, maybe one day. I think it's more likely he goes to AEW than WWE. But no, I don't think he's going to come back. And more power to him. 
Um, Agent Wakanda says, why are you so cool? No one has ever said that to me, so I will take that. Thank you very much. Adan says, how's your day been? Feel like we focus too much on wrestling, so instead it's about you for a change. Well, I would never steal time away from a wrestling podcast to talk about me, but aside from my eye, I'm doing all right. And finally, Ryan Petty says, how would you book a post-title John Moxley should he lose to Kenny Omega? It's a great question. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I do know. I lie. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to assume he does lose. And the reason he got attacked a few weeks ago is because he um, uh, can go after that person when he finds out who it is. So much like Cody had something else that we've already talked about it. But, you know, if John Moxley can say, look, I will get back to you, Kenny Omega, and I am going to retain my world or come back for my world championship. But first, I need to beat up MJF, or I need to beat up Hangman Page, or I need to beat up Lance Archer, or Brody Lee, you know, whoever the hell it's going to be. I need to go and beat these people up first. Then it kind of justifies the fact that he has gone off in that direction. And that's why I assume they did it. And it's also why I don't think that it was Kenny Omega. I kind of want it to be Hangman Page. Um, or Brody Lee, either would be cool. Um, because I just, I'd like to see Hangman Page versus Moxley. And while I know that we've already seen Brody Lee versus Moxley, I think without the title, you may be able to let them off um, run around a bit more. So that's why I think it would happen. So I'm, as we come to the end of the podcast, I am going to double down. And I am going to say... Um, I think Omega wins. I think he has to win. I think if he doesn't, unless you do a draw, you got you get out of jail free card with a draw. But other than that, I think it's uh, I think it's his time, which is amazing because you don't need John Moxley to drop the title. Look, I love WWE, I really, really do. But these are the kind of things that you need, and they kind of have done it too. Like you know, Drew Mac, uh, sorry, Roman Reigns doesn't feel like he needs to drop the title at all, right? Ah, oh, I'm, I'm anyway. We'll see what happens. I hate saying like, oh, you like this one more than the other. No, I don't. I like them all. They all kick ass. And I got one last in uh, that said, uh, and says, do you think that Keith Lee can reach Roman-esque levels and status in WWE? Here's the secret, man. Anybody can. You just have to be allowed. And on that note, we will end the show. People hate it when I whisper. They think they can't heal me. But you can. Just turn it up. Uh, <laughs> before we do end, yeah, just another shout out to, um, to Pat Patterson. Really, really crappy news. Like, honestly, the only people I think to create more of a reaction from me i mean i don't want anyone to pass away but it's all the next level up right it would be like a hulk hogan dying or a vince mcmahon dying it's like those kind of people because pat patterson has always been there and he's been so integral especially like i say with wwf wwe so yeah let's all go watch the pat patterson matches and let's all go watch what he did with the stooges like you can read some amazing quotes from both him and gerald briscoe where they talk about how they're a little bit should we be doing this a couple of old dudes running around and if they had reservations for them to go out and make it as entertaining as they did. I mean, they were a couple of goofballs. But when they used to come out to Hulk Hogan's music and pose like they did, <laughs> I'm pretty sure their match with the Mean Street Posse like has, in terms of quarter hours, one of the best quarters ever. Or something great. The Mean Street Posse, Pete Gass and... I um, know uh, Joey Abs was the real wrestler. Pete Gass and... Ah, oh, damn you, Brain. Oh, whatever. I hate that. I, any other time, I would know it. But having those two... Rodney, thank you. Having Pete Gass and Rodney, who were literally just Shane McMahon's mates, going against Gerald Briscoe, Legend of Wrestling, and Pat Pageant, Patterson, Legend of Wrestling. I tell you, man. That Vince McMahon Stooges thing, these are the kind of things we need to remember. Absolutely happy times. Used to put a smile on my face. So stupid. Probably could have done without the evening gown match that these two did. But again, the fact they did it, and the fact they went out there thinking, you know what? There's a real good... I listened to Jim Ross's... Um, well, I, I, his book, but I got it on audiobook. And he told this amazing story, and I think this kind of sums it up. This is how we'll finish off today. And um, they were playing pool or whatever, something. 
And Jim Ross brought up the fact that Vince McMahon wants him to wear a cowboy hat. He wasn't going to do it. That's a, you know, it's a parody. I refuse. And Pat Patterson just laughed like, oh, you know, you will. <laughs> Once he's made up your mind, you're doing it. And you can fight and fight and fight. But the only person that's going to suffer is you. And then within like a year, JR was wearing his hat and being called good old JR. And that must have been the same with, I think Pat Patterson knew, given that he was such a good friend of Vince's. And he probably, Pat, I want you to dress up like a woman and have an evening gown match with Gerald Briscoe. And he probably thought, well, I don't want to do this, but I got no choice. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make it as entertaining as I can. And it was kind of horrific, but I'm saying all of this with a smile on my face. So it can't have been that bad. So yeah, as cheesy as it is, thank you, Pat Patterson. You entertained me with the most nonsense stuff of all. And I appreciate it. And on that note, yeah, check me out on patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. It's got a YouTube channel just says for Simon Miller. Simon 316 on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely check out the Twitter because that's usually where I ask the questions. Shout out to Pins and Knuckles for always supporting the podcast. Thank you so much. And I think that's it. I've probably forgotten something. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com for merch. More importantly, though, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If this was like at zero, I wouldn't bother doing it. But I know there's an audience out there. And it makes just sitting down for an hour every week and talking into a microphone very fun. Take care of yourselves. Have good weeks. Enjoy NXT. Enjoy AEW. Plus, you've got war games at the weekend. And I'll talk to you again very soon.